Well, welcome to another episode of the New News Podcast. It's Josh and Andrew. We're back on a Wayno Sunday. We just got done watching the ceremony. Hopefully there's an at-bat later today as well and some fun times of that. Maybe a Adam Wainwright home run off of Joey Votto. And if that happens, I think they should make a t-shirt out of it, which brings me to our affiliate sponsor, Lids, here. You can maybe get some Cardinals merch going into the offseason. Or remember, the Miami Marlins did just make the playoffs because of the Cubs' epic collapse. So maybe get some Marlins playoff gear, root them on. Like, that that sounds good to me. Um, or maybe Andrew's wish comes true and there's an Otani Cardinals jersey on the way at some point. You never know. But hop the link through the link there go check out some good stuff they're always updating their stuff on there but um yeah there's there's some fun stuff we want to talk about today including um we're going to do some end of the season awards um, myself andrew um, and sandy put some together so we'll drop some of sandy's in here as well as we're going through um but then yeah andrew what did you think of adam wainwright's single at bat and the how I, I just found out from you the umpires messed up the two-way rule the other day, so he should have had another one. Recap of that. Yeah, so Adam Wainwright uh, took an at-bat in the 19-2 um, game against the Reds. Um, they said they weren't going to hit him. Um, they won that, right? 19-2? No, I think they, they lost. <laughs> but but we, we took yesterday's game, uh, I think, by nine runs. I was hoping he'd get an at-bat, but I think True. he was warming up for his concert. That was pretty fun. Um, but... Yeah, Wayno got in that bat, hit a 102-mile-an-hour uh, ground out, so that's fun. Uh, that's classic Cardinals uh, baseball right there. Um, and he was right on that first pitch, yeah. too. Like, man, that would have been drilled. Yeah. Um, but, yes, he has now the highest average exit velocity of any hitter this year who has a minimum of one plate appearance, so that's pretty fun. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, um, I think the umpires made, uh, made the Cardinals pull him from the game and that was a mistake because um he was listed on the lineup card as a pitcher and he wasn't going into the dh slot i think it's only the other way around where it um where that role comes into play so essentially um if a pitcher exits the game then he can replace the dh and the team can keep the dh but i think they made the cardinals remove wainwright uh because of some sort of miscommunication um in the role so he actually should have been eligible to be the dh um, the rule with the roster flexibility is that you have a maximum number of pitchers you can carry, uh, but not a minimum number. So you can't like, you can't exceed the max limit, but if you go under that limit, it doesn't really matter. And I think the umpires might've had a little bit of confusion with that, but he should be okay to get as many as at bats as he wants today. Yeah. I was slightly surprised he wasn't on the lineup card today. I thought they would yeah. throw him a DH, but since they have Newt Bar there, it makes me think they're going to give Newt like one at bat because it's the last game of the year. They want people to see him, and then Wayno is going to come in, go from there. I would love to see Wayno just play in the field, though. Like they put him out in center or first base or something. They just let him go. But I don't know. It sounds like he's got like three surgeries already planned for this offseason. So I'm not sure his body could take playing in the field today. But yeah, it's been a fun weekend. Um, the Cardinals could end up with a top five pick today if they lose. They'll have number six if they win. So that's epic. <laughs> Draft lotteries coming up. We'll figure out where they're picking. Uh, but today we wanted to go through some of the end of the season awards and not so big awards. I feel like most times this year, I'm like last year, we're like, 
who's the, I mean, Goldie was the MVP, but you could give Arenado a chance there. There are multiple starters that looked amazing. There were multiple rookies that looked amazing. And this year it's like, man, uh, if I squint, he could be the team MVP. Or if I squint, he could have been the best bullpen arm. So this is going to be interesting, but I think there's some cool finds within here. So um, let's, let's start off. Andrew, who was your team MVP this year? Uh, my team MVP is Lars Newtbar. Lars Newtbar um, has been just really, really good, exceeded all of our expectations, I think, going in. I think most of us thought he was going to be good, but maybe not this good. Uh, slashing 261, 367, 414 on the season for a 114 OPS plus, playing really, really good defense and center. And he is leading the team currently in B-War, um, which is something that's that's worth noting. The Cardinals, since 2011, have had a different leader in B-War every single season. Um, that's really interesting to me. <clears throat> kind of shows the depth that the team's had um, throughout the years. But um, yeah. he, he took that from Goldie. Goldie uh, had it um, for the majority of the season, and Newpar was, was injured, um, spent some time on the IL, but... It's been yeah. really exciting to him just to see how he's been playing, um, especially due to missed time. Like for him to have played a full 162, he would lead the team and be worn by like a lot. So um, mm. he only played 115 games, uh, 418 at bats, 494 played appearances, but he's just been, been so, so good for us this year. That's why he's my MVP. Yeah, it's a good pick. I debated between Newt probably finished second for me, um, but strong argument for number one. He, if you look at fan graphs, he's the, the second F4 behind uh, Goldschmidt this year. Uh, a 120 WRC plus on the year. Newt Bar looked great. Um, honestly, like if you, like you said, if he plays in 20, 25 more games, I think he's the runaway MVP for me. Um, Goldschmidt actually is sneaky close. People were down on him all, all second and a half and he finished with the 127 wrc plus and looked or sorry 122 wrc plus and looked pretty good but my mvp who did finish with the highest wrc plus on the team was a 2.4 war player and was thrown through the rainer by the cardinals front office from the end of april all the way through as wilson Contreras, and I mean, that dude hit again this year. He started off kind of slow. Well, he started off a little hot, slow, had a really cold stretch in June and May, late May, and then turned it on the second half. Was one of the best hitters in all of baseball. Finishes with a 264, 358, 467 slash line, 127 WRC plus. He was incredible at the plate. And so I think the fact that he was able to endure the crap that was thrown at him all offseason – and the way he's played the second half, I have big expectations for Contreras next year as a hitter. And we will see if the Cardinals allow him to stay as the catcher, because apparently that is still a conversation that we are having, which is crazy. But here we are. Yeah, so, I, saw the article um, I was just I don't understand why um, the Cardinals would look to remove him from from the starting role. Like you look at you pointed out you look at pitchers like Jack Flaherty who's been way worse than he was on the Cardinals with the mm -hmm. Orioles and it's not yeah. really Contreras's fault that pitchers are missing their spots he's just it just is how it is um but yeah. if they if they move him from the catcher position again it's just going to be so bad then you have to fill your fill Kisner Herrera in the catcher spot which is going to be a big downgrade offensively and then you have like what another DH outfield type it's just going to be terrible yeah, it'll honestly like I'm sure we'll get into this in the next few episodes, but the 
Contreras situation is going to have huge ramifications uh, for the rest of this team. So like whenever the end of the season press conferences, hope someone asks about that because the status of that, I mean, if they keep Contreras and he's a DH outfielder, I mean, you then you have to move one of those young bats because you're losing playing time and it doesn't make sense anymore. Sure, you're maybe improving the defense, but if it's Kisner Herrera, is that really a huge upgrade defensively? I don't think so. Are you going to bring in like Martin Maldonado from free agency, who's been awful at the plate this year? Like, what are you going to do as a defensive catcher? I don't know. So it's probably a topic for another day, but yeah, here we go. And if um, you guys were wondering, Sandy, um, it doesn't seem like he had a clear pick here. I think he's going Contreras, but he also thought Gorman and Newt could have gone in there. So we'll have to ask him about that later. But Gorman's an interesting case. If he had played a full season, I think he would have been in there too. Um, that terrible month of June like killed him this year. But outside of that, he was one of the best hitters on the team. So it's interesting. Yeah, um, our next award is best starting pitcher. I think we all had Jordan Montgomery for that one. Um, so it's unfortunate because he only played half the season with us. Kind of shows how, yeah. how good the rotation was the rest of the way. But uh, yeah, it's just uh, <laughs> tough. Do you think we should bring him back in free agency? You know, I think it's interesting because you don't have the comp pick attached to him. And so like... I still uh, we'll get to my free agent acquisition later. My guy requires a comp pick and I'm good with it. Um, but if the Cardinals wanted to go like Yamamoto and Montgomery and keep uh, all their draft picks, I think that's great. Um, I would say Montgomery would have to be your like the second best starter they bring back um, because again, he pitched his last like 365 days for him has been probably, or maybe a little over that has been the best stretch of his career. And so as other people have said, you're kind of buying off of career years. So other guys, I think Montgomery is truly in a career year, which kind of scares me a little bit. And I think he will get big bucks for five, six years. Um, but I think he'd be a great fit. And clearly he pitched really well in St. Louis. And so that's, it'd be nice to have a little bit of continuity there. Um, if you're, especially if you're rehauling the whole rotation, but what do you think, Andrew? Yeah, I tend to, to lean away from from the internal guys because you're kind of just fixing problems with problems that were kind of already there. I know Montgomery wasn't really the issue, but if we kind of roll out yeah. a small rotation than we had this year, I'm just less comfortable with that. Um, if we bring him in with a couple other guys that are higher tier than him, that's amazing, and that's probably what, what we would end up doing, but um, he definitely can't be uh, the top guy that we bring in. Yeah, I guess the only the way I could see them potentially bringing him in is their third best guy would maybe be like a best case scenario offseason where they trade for one of their top two guys they sign one of their top two guys and then he's the third then i think but otherwise i think if they sign all three he'd have to be the second best i don't think they'd hand out that many big contracts but we'll see um we'll see how this market develops but um like you said it's kind of weird bringing back someone that was like a part of this rotation when you want to improve it but at the same time he was like far away the best guy a 3.2 area in the season so, like, if you're bringing back Jack Flaherty, <laughs> I would be like, what are we doing? But anyways, so we flip over to the reliever side. I think we all three agreed on this one as well, right? Jojo Romero. Yeah, Jojo Romero has been yeah. great. Um, yeah, Jojo, 3.68 ERA in the year, 36 innings, 42 strikeouts, ending the season on the, the IL. Unfortunately, um, I think... I, I almost made a case for Ryan Helsley being the guy, even with his injury this year, he's been great when he's been healthy. Did you give any consideration to Jordan Hicks? 
Yeah, I did. Um, but I just I, I tried not to go after the guys that we traded um too much. Yeah. Uh, Montgomery kind of the only real option for that because then you're picking between like Michaelis and like Drew Rom and Zach Thompson, and it's like eh, none <laughs> of those guys really did much um for us this year. Yeah. Honestly, um actually Helsley probably deserved a little bit more content uh consideration because he he might have pitched more innings than Romero, honestly. Um, but Romero is the lot of that stretch run. Yeah, I kind of realized that late in the game, I do believe actually Helsley ended up pitching more innings than Romero because of Romero's late injury. Uh, oh, no, he's an inning less. But he's a 2.52 ERA, 50 strikeouts. So I mean, Yeah. Um, the one that I looked at for Romero was his FIP of 2.22. Um, his ERA was a little bit inflated, probably from some bad defense that we had, especially post-trade deadline. Um, yeah. just not not very lucky for him, um, which is fine. But I, I'm really excited to see him be a more high leverage guy next year, especially if he's healthy. Yeah, I think that that is great. And then so you've got JoJo, you've got Helsley, who his last 30 games. So he, I know he started off a little rocky this year. His last 30 games, he's 2.1 ADRA, and his last seven, 1.17. So he's he's back to being himself. So that's great. And then I would assume. I mean, I think gone are the days that you could trust Gio as like close the second closer on the team, but you could probably trust him as a seventh inning guy. Um, so that's that's nice three guys right there. You probably have an internal guy step up, maybe bring in one or two outside guys. I think the, the bullpen will be better, but clearly depth's an issue, so they gotta fix that. But yeah, for sure. We'll see. And then uh, rookie of the year. I think this was another one we all agreed on. It's kind of hard. You could have maybe said Alec Burleson. Sandy made a good point about that, but I mean, it's Jordan, it's Jordan Walker. Walker. He's been so oh, man. good. Um, his defensive metrics have improved so much. I think his war is in the positives now, which is amazing. Um, especially yeah, after- he's a point two war now. That's great. Um, great to see. Um, and. I don't know. I'm really excited to see see what he's going to do next year, especially as not a complete liability in right field. Um, and his offense, I feel like, will only get better as he sees more uh, major league pitching. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, if you look, I uh, there was a pretty good article out the other day about Walker swing adjustments and how he's really broken out in the second half. And uh, his last 124 plate appearances, he's a 143 WRC plus. Like. He's just turned a corner. He's hitting the ball far. He's in the ball hard like he was before, but just not straight into the ground every time. He looks really good. And then, like you said, his defense has gone from like some of the worst in the league where people are saying he needs to play first base, which didn't make any sense to me, to now he's at least uh, maybe it's a stretch say league average now. I feel like we yeah, have a little more time to see it, but like he's playing like it right now. And then you give him an offseason to work too. Like you're talking about a bat who could be top three or four bat in the Cardinals lineup next year and an above potentially above average league defender in his second year. Like I think, I mean, it's way too early to give breakout candidates for 2014, but Jordan Walker is like, he could be like whatever the, the praise Ellie De La Cruz is getting earlier this year. I think year two Walker could be getting that kind of hype. Ellie De La Cruz, his offensive numbers are just worse in every, every regard compared to the walkers, which is, um, <laughs> I don't understand the hype behind him. Uh, Ellie De La Cruz is an 89 OPS plus hitter. Jordan Walker is a 110 OPS plus hitter. So it's just night and day. Mm-hmm. I get the argument that he's a good defender at a premium position, yeah. but like Walker's getting better. He'll be fine. So it is funny how he went from like every day all MLB could talk about was Ellie De La Cruz to now no one wants 
to talk about the fact that he's been awful. And it's like, well, maybe I shouldn't say awful, but he like compared to expectations does not match it. It's not anywhere, anywhere close, but so I think uh, the preseason rankings are right. Jordan Walker is clearly the best prospect in baseball. Uh, well, after Corbin Carroll went away, but um, it worked out well. So, but now we get to look ahead to current prospects in the Cardinal system. Um, again, uh, on the last two, we agreed with Sandy there, Romero and Walker. But who was your pick uh, for the best prospect in the Cardinals system this year? And I think we kind of went like, I, I I think you went like this. We kind of all went like who performed the best, not necessarily who has the highest ceiling. Um, but maybe that's the direction you went. Oh, I went with uh, sort of like based off importance uh, to the team and like how okay how exciting I I was how, how excited I was for them to to come up. So I went with Tink Hence. Um, pretty self explanatory. We need pitching, and he's the he's the guy that we're looking towards as the as the future ace of the rotation. I, I know Brooke um, when we had her on a couple weeks ago mentioned him to potentially fill a closer role next year. I don't know if I want to see that. Um, I I think this team needs a lot more starting depth next year. And if we could see him get a few starts down the line, uh, especially um, later as we hopefully clinch a postseason berth next year. Um, like after that, we can see him get a couple of starts in the big leagues and see how he plays into that uh, rotation next year. But I'm excited. We need an ace, especially a homegrown one. And he seems like the guy who fits that role right now. Yeah, I agree with that. I the one the one part that made was interesting to me was it gives me Carlos Martinez vibes from early in his career. If you look at 2013, 2014, they used him more as a reliever and they gave him some starts toward the end of 2014. Um, I think and and then clearly from 2015 to 2018, he was one of the best star- starters in all baseball. So they could do something like that. Cause I think Tink at earliest is a starter that could be at mid to late 2024 but even then like innings limit i don't know if he can really become one so i think we're looking at 2025 so i wouldn't hate the idea of them especially we just talked about how thin the bullpen is of him being in that mix if they need it uh but i i agree it kind of like with how little depth they have right now you would kind of want them to be more focused on developing him as a starter right now but um I think I'm going to change my pick on the fly because I should have said this guy and I forgot. I didn't forget about you, Victor Scott, the second, but you, for some reason I overlooked you there. He's my pick. Um, I just think like you said, talking about importance to the team too. Um, we're talking about a guy who could be an elite leadoff hitter with on base average and then, I mean, this guy could steal 100 bases one day. Like, that's insane. Um, and then you also give elite defense in center field. We're talking about a guy who could be a gold glover and lead the league in steals at a premium position. And, I mean, I love New Bar, but people probably think of him more as a corner outfielder to be, like, a really good defender. Center field, he's more league average. If mid-2024, late-2024, you're looking at Victor Scott in center, New Bar in left, Jordan Walker in right, that defense gets a lot better. And so I think importance to the team, like he went from kind of like a fun, fast guy in the minor leagues to like, this guy's legit. He could be a top 100 prospect coming into this year. I'd be shocked if he isn't one. And he's just been incredible. Also, we interviewed him. So yeah, go yeah. check that out. That was, that was, <laughs> um, I think Sandy one was That's top. Light plug. Um, it was a, 
been so good for us um, since coming coming over. I think you're more well versed in the prospects than I do, but he he just won a league MVP. But correct me if I'm wrong. But um, yes, that was he won Texas League MVP. Yeah, that was really cool to see. Um, another good potential middle infield guy. We have a lot of those, but um, do you think there's any way that we might see him um, up next year or see him involved in a trade package for for a top tier pitcher? Yeah, I think both scenarios are possible. Um, it's kind of it'd be it'd be kind of sad to have Segesi for half a season in the minors and then to trade him. But like, I if they're not going to trade one of the top guys from the major league roster, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, but when he since came over to St. Louis or in Double A Springfield, he posted a thousand sixty four OPS with ten home runs, twenty nine RBIs, um, and then he just won the Texas League MVP on the season. He had nine oh four OPS. He was great. And so I would love to see um, how he kind of develops. I could see if he's not traded, I don't think he makes the opening day roster because I don't think they'd want to waste service time on him being like the backup backup infielder because Edmonds probably the next guy up middle infield wise. But I think by May, June, I would assume he's probably on the major league roster, especially if injuries happen. Um, and then another guy that Sandy brought up to is Max Rochick. I believe that's how you say the name, um, who's in double A right now, went nine and six with a 2.48 ERA in 123 innings, 1.01 whip. So he looked really great this year. Again, another pitching or another pitcher for the organization. <clears throat> in between him, like you mentioned, Hence, Takoa Roby, um, you got Bedell, you've got other names coming through. Like I think 2024, we're not going to feel the the impact of the Cardinals pitching development improving, but 2025 and beyond, we might see, okay, things have started to turn a corner. It takes time. Um, so I'm excited about that name. Yeah, for sure. Lots of exciting young arms um, to, to be found there. Uh, we'll move yeah. into our next uh, award, which is most underrated player. Uh, for me, I went with Nolan. Yeah. I think we brought him up for team MVP. I think he deserves a little bit more consideration from that regard, but um before he got injured, he was on 30 home run pace from second base position, which is pretty much unheard of um, in the league. I think the only guy who who really does that is Al- Ozzy Albies. And if we could get that um, in our lineup, I think anyone would take that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think Gorman gets kind of overlooked, um, probably because he's been really, really streaky this year. Um, had a really, really bad stretch of June, and then he kind of just disappeared um, once with all the injuries towards the end of the season. But I think we should just remember that he had a really, really great season. Yeah, I agree with that. Gorman, um, I think depending on who, it's hard. I don't think anyone's super overrating him, but I do think most people underrate him at the same time, if that makes sense. Like, I do think there's some people who are like, he's like the next best thing since sliced bread and can't get rid of him ever. I don't put him in that tier. But like you said, you get 30 home run power from a second baseman. Like, where else do you get that? And he realistically could hit 40 like next year. Like, he's got that kind of power. So, um, if he can get rid of some of that streakiness, like, or at least maybe he's always going to be a streaky guy, but if he cannot have so many, like the, the low that he had in June this past year, I think that would help him a ton. So while I, while I agree with the Gorman side of it, I think he was underrated this year, myself and Sandy both picked Brendan Donovan. Um, and just looking at Donovan this year, again, he's, he's not an incredible defender at many position, like any position necessarily, but he's at least average at both corner outfield spots, all four infield spots. 
which is just incredible value. And that's what like we think of when we think of Brendan Donovan is the fact he can move around. But he also finished fourth on the team in WRC plus and a 2.1 war, which I think was like fifth or sixth on the team, um, which is just incredible. Um, but then May 23rd on to the point when his season ended, he had a 144 WRC plus. So that was like about two and a half, about two months of baseball, a little over. Um, 316, 395, 489 slash line, 885 OPS. Like he was the best hitter on the team outside of that little stretch from Contreras in early July. Like Donovan was on fire. And so if he had, I don't think he would have kept up that pace the whole second half, but if he even was mostly that and got like, I think he finishes probably first or second on the team in WRC plus first in war, like, for me, I, it's so hard. I flip flop with all of them, but I think new bar, like it's weird saying that because I agree Gorman was underrated, but Gorman's the guy out of them that I feel the most comfortable leaving on the table for a trade. I don't feel good about giving up new bar Walker or Donovan. I just, I don't know how you feel about that, but. Um, I mean, new bar and Walker, I feel like are pretty much untouchable. Gorman, I think is another guy that we're going to regret trading. If we trade him one day, Brennan Donovan, I know you just said how underrated he was, but I feel like <laughs> out of all the guys, um, his elbows hurt right now. And I don't know. Uh, I feel like his skill set can be put into like a couple of different players, at least. I feel like there's not many second basemen you can get that'll give you what Nolan Gorman gives you. Like you can call up to JC and Mason Wynn can combine for like a Tommy Edmund can all combine into some sort of like what Brendan Donovan gives you, but you're not going to get 30 home run power out of out of your second baseman pretty much ever so um i don't know i i would be very hesitant to trade gorman away um i feel like we would definitely regret that um if it does come to fruition hopefully hopefully we find a way to just sign all the pitchers or give up not that much but um yeah it's going to be tough this offseason that's for sure yeah i would much rather give up to jc or potentially even mason Wynn oh, yeah. than to trade any of those guys um, and I think it's very realistic in my preference as well. If they don't trade any of them this offseason, they fill all the pitching needs through free agency and maybe giving up some sort of JC Graceffo package with Carlson and whatever to get a pitcher like even Tommy Eminette. It's unclear to me how much value he carries. It's definitely not as much as those guys, but he could be on the block for me. But yeah, it's tough. So I like this next word a lot. I think you came up with this one, the spark plug. I think you came up with that actually. I don't know. I did. Oh, I don't, I don't Well, Good on me. I didn't remember that. Um, I don't think it was me, but I like the award. So who was your spark plug of the year and spark yes. plug? Were, like, how would you define spark plug? I, I just define it as someone that re-energizes the team goes out there and like kind of pumps life into the team when it's, when it's down. And, and for that, uh, for, for that category, I went with Tommy Edmund because um, the team, suffered a lot of outfield injuries early in the season and we ended up sticking infielders in the outfield at some point we had a little meme uh, on twitter that was pretty funny <laughs> uh, but uh, tommy edmund was the guy i was like I, why are we sticking him in center field he's a he's a platinum glove, glove caliber uh shortstop second baseman utility guy in the infield what are we doing with him in center field but then he went out there and proved me wrong he was such a good defensive center fielder this year um he really filled that spot um and even when Newpar came back from his injury Tommy Edmund was still getting playing time in center and he was still really really good so 
uh, for me. It, I think it has to be Edmund. Also, Edmund had a couple of really clutch walk-offs against the Padres. He tends to have that. Um, when, when when he's up um, in, in late innings against the lefty, you know he's going to do something special. So uh, that's why he's my spark club. You know, I think you might have convinced me that Tommy Edmund was actually the spark plug. That's a really good pick. Um, I uh, Sandy picked Palacios or Romero, so I think he went more of like the the like guy that's not like a core guy, but like is fun and like gets into the mix, which is a spark plug. Um, so I, I like that pick. I ended up going with Newbar, and I um, my other person I was debating was Contreras because of the fire he brings. Um, but Newbar just kind of is like that guy that like. That stretch in May when things were really rough in early April, he was out and he was not around the clubhouse. And I remember it when he was about to return, there was a lot of talk about how they really missed his presence around the team and they really felt like they needed that fun, loving personality. And so I think there hasn't been as much play on the field where I can point to a moment where Newt Bart did something that like re-energized the team. He was great, but like, you, like you're right. There's been some Edmund moments where he gets plugged in the center field, makes a play, and you're like, what just happened? Or walk-offs or bombs off lefties. Um, but Newt Bart's kind of that guy where I'm like, he next year he's going to be one of the engines that keeps the team going. Um, but I really like that Tommy Edmund pick. So I'll keep with Newt Bar, but you've convinced me that you had the better argument there. All right. Now you can take control. What was that? Oh, we're doing extensions, right? Not yet. Oh, yes, yes. Sorry. It's extensions. <laughs> the the big the big soapbox comes after this. Um, my extension candidate, I think there's a lot of them, which is actually like the only way I could partially be okay with them not going all in in free agency this year. Like if they like made one less move than I would have liked them, is if they made some extensions that were really nice and in, in place of that. But I think they can do all of it. My guy was Jordan Walker. Um, I don't, I think in my head, it makes more sense to extend the arbitration close to arbitration guys. So you can go ahead and cut out some of those numbers. But I just think like if Walker goes off next year and has already shown stuff this year, that number is going to explode even more. So I would rather get Jordan Walker locked up for an eight, 10 year deal. I mean, if you give him like eight years, he'll be like 28 or 29 by the end of it still. So he'll still have a second contract to go. You give him 10, he'll be like, close to 30 30 30 31 like i think that's a at this point like i don't see like i feel confident that new bar is going to continue to ascend but i still could see injuries maybe being an issue gorman i could see how the swing and miss becomes a thing donovan i could see how it's like oh he kind of capped out as a player walker the sky's the limit and so he's my guy yeah, uh, speaking of new bar, I, I went with new bar um, for my guy. Uh, just feels like a classic Cardinals, like Hall of Famer type player. If he sticks around long term, and as you said, the the guys in the clubhouse seem to love him. Uh, he's shown his good work ethic. He's always working on on something. Um, when whenever people ask him in interviews, like he's always working on his swing, and he's a great defensive outfielder. Like as he gets older, just move him to a corner. As you said, Victor Scott's coming up, so I'm not worried about that. Um, and he just, he he reminds me a lot of actually of Matt Carpenter, um, typical leadoff mm-hmm. guy across a lot of walks, has sneaky power in there. One day we might see him hit like 35 homers, like like Matt Carpenter did one day. We look at his exit velocity stats, and you can definitely see where that's coming from. Um, and he just seems like a classic Cardinals um, leadoff guy. Yeah, that Matt Carpenter comparison is really interesting because like defensively, obviously they're not the same player, but like 
offensive profile, he really does feel like early years Marp. And so um, that's a lot of the reason I'm excited about the JC because he feels like that offensively as well. Maybe not as much like the prototypical leadoff guy, but anyways, I like it. All right. Uh, oh, well, sorry, Sandy, we got to throw him in there. He thought Jordan Walker as well, or Nolan Gorman. And yeah. honestly, I could see any of the core four youngsters getting one. How do you feel about Paul Goldschmidt extension? Like on paper, are you like, they did this off season, you'd like it, or would you want to see 2024 happen first? Like I if you had this. one choice, it's like you give him market value right now, or you wait till after the season, you can't decide between them. This one's tough because Goldschmidt definitely regressed a lot this year from his MVP numbers, but like we weren't expecting him to win MVP again this year. He was still very serviceable, yeah. definitely like one of the top hitters in the league, but I don't know. Um, depends on how long the extension's for. If it's for a couple of years, then yeah, um, go for it. But he's getting up there in age. I don't know how much money he's going to want. He's probably going to take a team friendly deal. So if it's team friendly, go for it. Uh, if he wants a little bit more then maybe wait till next off season, see what you get with Paul Goldschmidt next year and try to figure something out. Yeah. In my head, he'd probably be looking at like a two, maybe three year contract. I think two, I do in a heartbeat, especially because like you said, I don't like, obviously all this stuff depends on the numbers. Like if he's looking for 40 million a year, that's a whole different equation, but like, he makes 25 right now. I feel like 25 or less is probably what you're looking at for him a year. And then if that's two years, I'm in three years. Give me the AAV again. I want to see what that's at. But um, on paper, yes. But obviously, there could be a crazy reason not to. But speaking of a guy who will get a lot of years and a high AAV, who's your free agent target, Andrew? Um, Yeah, my free agent target. I mean, I it doesn't have to be realistic for these awards. It's my award. <laughs> that's true. I want. So, um. I mean, obviously, I have to go with Shohei Otani. Uh, we know he can't. We can't um, have pitcher version of Otani, but we've seen some recovery with Tommy John surgery and like UCL surgeries uh, go really, really quickly. Like Bryce Harper was supposed to come back in like June or July, and he came back a month before that. So, if Otani's not going to pitch as a starter next year, I think there's a possibility. I mean, we can't bank on it, but there's a possibility that if the team that signs him we'll have him as a closer in like September uh, or in the playoffs. Um, so I think that would be, that would be really exciting best case scenario there. But just from a long-term perspective, the most exciting free agent of all time, in my opinion, is on, on the board next off season. And for the Cardinals to not be involved is just a shame. Like uh, it's a team that prides itself on having a hall of famer in uniform every year a team that prides itself on winning, winning championships. And even if it doesn't make sense to have Otani next year, cause he can't pitch, it makes sense to have him, down the road because uh, that's the kind of winning player that he is um, and he feels that um, and he wants to go to an organization that wins championships uh, aside from the Yankees there's not really another organization that you can choose um, that's done more of that uh, so it's probably not going to happen but we'll throw a party if it does that's true you've got a lot of people in on that party right now so hopefully I make the invite list if it happens okay. um, I Obviously, I give it a less than 1% chance of happening. But when you think about it, because we talked a little bit beforehand, like how they really couldn't do much in free agency outside of Otani if they did it. Like if you're grabbing Otani, you should bake in the fact that you're going to make so much more revenue from him than you typically would. Like you you just open yourself up to this whole market that is insane. And so like you would hope they may be pump in some more money then maybe make another big move i don't know 
I, yeah, I, I'm going to stop trying to convince myself that it's anywhere near possible, but my uh, target who I will be a truther of, and I will root for, and I sure hope the Cardinals get him. And it looks like Sandy also wanted our man, Sonny Gray. Um, I cannot tell you how frustrated I get. <laughs> I don't get it. He's not even a Cardinal. And I'm like sitting here, like researching my butt off things about Sonny Gray, because I'm like, how can people say he's not at least a number two starter? If not low key, like, a low end one and like there i don't have all of my stuff in front of me but like you compare himself uh, him um his two best career years to aaron nola's he's way better or he's better if you compare all of the other seasons of his careers like his off years to aaron nola's he's like a a era a run and a half better era than aaron nola Blake Snell obviously has two Cy Young seasons where he's been insane, but like other than that, he's been bad. Sonny Gray's been better and he puts more innings in. He's got 2.8 ERA this year, 2.85 FIP, 5.2 year or war, 180 innings pitched, and he's pitched over 200 innings multiple times in his career. He's a little bit, he's the strikeout stuff's dropped a little bit this past year, but like I think at worst, you're talking 25 million a year for three years. Um, at best, or maybe four, but I think at best you're talking like twenty to twenty-three million a year at two to three or two three years, possibly four. I think it's great value in this market, and I just think he's so underrated. And he's like, I think he's thirteenth in uh, career array among all active pitchers, and he's been around a long time. Like, I'm a Sunny Gray man, and I won't be ashamed of it. I will pump the train. I can't wait for the Reds or someone to get him instead, and he's going to tear the Cardinals up, and then people are going to be mad they didn't get Sonny Gray, and I'm going to say, I told you so the whole time, but I sure hope he's a Cardinal. Yeah, um, I've seen some of that discourse on on Twitter, and it's like people, I don't think people understand that like Sonny Gray is actually good, that he's not like Mike Leak. Because I've seen that thrown around, yeah. I think. Huh, just like horrible, horrible names have been compared to Sonny Gray. Before we get into our, our last couple of, of things, there's a couple updates from the game. Joey Votto just got ejected in the first inning for arguing. Oh, goals. well, there goes. So that's, I guess that's the... not going to happen. Uh, what is he thinking? I don't, I don't, oh my but like, not great. And then we have a, have a report from Jeff Jones that was um, a bit of a bombshell. Um, Ali Marmol was asked oh. um, this season, uh, this, this morning by Derek Gould, um, about getting ready to compete in 2024. And Marmol said, I want a clubhouse full of guys that has one thing on their minds and it's not themselves. It's winning a championship. So you start by weeding those out. Oh, wow. Okay. So, there's something Ollie. that is going wrong in the clubhouse right now. Okay. Well, like, I think there's two obvious candidates for that right now, right? It's got to be Tyler and Dylan. Yeah. Like in his mind, I'm not saying Dylan's a part. I'm not saying Dylan's actually a part of the issue, but like clearly, I think they think, well, maybe Dylan, I'm less sure, but I feel like I'd put him in that category. But Tyler's definitely talk about a talk about a direct shot at Tyler O'Neill right now. Anyone else you think could fit in that? Maybe someone on the coaching staff. Maybe someone we're just not even aware of. I don't know. Maybe Contreras. That would be. I, yeah, I guess there's a part of me that, like, again, I would defend Contreras, but 
maybe they think he's not putting enough effort in on trying to be better as a game prepper or something. But wow, Ollie. I saw today too that he said, which I appreciated. He was like, I'm glad fans are calling for me. He basically is like, fans should be calling for my job. It is about wins and losses. I get it. Like, I have that same intensity too. I like that he's not like deflecting blame. Um, so, but wow. Okay. Wow. Okay, Ollie. You, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I don't hate it. Like, you got to make some changes in this clubhouse. Like, it, they can't, like, I think you can bring back the same core, but like O'Neill, Carlson, I don't know who else. I can see there being some major shakeups there. So, also, if you're a Bears fan, uh, epic collapse of a 21 point lead. So, Caleb Williams, here we go. Um, <laughs> okay. So, I want you to go first on the most disappointing player because I think people are going to take mine out of context a little bit. And I think it matters, but you can go first, Andrew, because he was almost my pick. Oh, yeah. So, my most disappointing player, I could have gone with Wayno, but I, I, that felt too. Oh. It was just not something we could do. Um, I don't know. It's Wayno weekend. We're not going to do that. He'll be our honorable mention. Um, Honorable mention for this category. I guess. Um, A dishonorable mention. I don't know. Um, I went with Miles Michaelis. Out of the three pitchers to extend, at least we didn't extend Jack Flaherty. Um, But um, out of the three guys that we chose to extend, Miles Michaelis hasn't been really good at all this season he had a promising start against the brewers he's looked okay today i don't know um what happened there with joey Votto, but 8 and 13 4.82 era just not not ideal um out of miles michaelis he leads the league in earned runs and hits allowed um that's not something you want to see i guess he eats a lot of innings so makes a little bit more sense but for a rotation that needs a lot of stability next year Seeing what we've seen out of Miles Michaelis, except especially in the second half, doesn't make me that confident in what we have already, and makes me feel like Michaelis is either should should be either our four or our five next year, and probably won't be our four or our five. Yeah, um, I'll throw in real quick. Sandy said Dylan Carlson, um, which makes sense. Injuries when he played, he was bad, and his inconsistent his playing time was super inconsistent. So. That's pretty disappointing. Um, but to go off before I go into mine, Andrew, I think your point with Michaelis is really interesting. The re I, the couple of the reasons I came off of him as my easy pick was, um, I think the fact that he he's going to probably eclipse two hundred innings again matters um, because like you're like his ERA this year is a little bit above what the average number three starter on a staff is. It's kind of hard to define, but like. You don't want that as your ERA as a third starter, but it's kind of the average, below, maybe slightly below average. So, like, he's pitching like a four or five right now, but he's eating 200 innings too, which is huge because, I mean, you've got a lot of guys out there who are putting up 3.3 ERAs, but only getting 90 innings. Like, you need some guys. You need at least a few guys in your rotation that can get innings, give the bullpen rest. So there's a part of me that wonders the second half. Like, no, obviously he's not trying to pitch bad, but I wonder if he's just trying to get those innings He's not motivated because he's kind of a guy that wants to win. And I don't like this has been a horrible second half. And he's also been like a every other year kind of pitcher. And so I kind of wonder if next year he's not like 2022 miles again, but maybe he's a 3.9, 4.0 ERA. And if you're paying him 16 million a year, that's not, that's not bad. That's kind of market value. So, um, but he has been disappointing. I agree. <clears throat> My guy I'll say is Nolan Arenado. 
Um, I'm not at all questioning like him as a player, as a person, anything like that. Obviously, he's had back issues this year, which is like a big deal. And the fact that he's just played through it all year, like I don't know what you expect from someone who's got major back issues. But he's a 107 WRC plus this year. He's 7% above league average at the plate. Um, he finished with the 2.6 war, which I think he was in the fives or sixes last year. So he's dipped significantly. His defense in the first half was really bad. And then it rebounded, but his offense was better in the second half and it plummeted the second half for all the talk that people had about Paul Goldschmidt regressing at the plate. Like he was still 30% above league average, like Ronaldo was seven above league average. Like, I that's disappointing to me because relative expectations like Michaelis, you t- if you told me which is more likely to happen, Michaelis is like a high four ZRA pitcher gives you 200 innings or Dylan Carlson is injured and disappointed or like Arenado was barely above league average at the plate. I'd be like, no way Arenado, but that's what it was this year. So I have full confidence. He'll be fine next year. I have full confidence. He's back to an all. I mean, he was an all-star this year, but he plays a full all-star like season but i think it's kind of underrated how poorly the year went for him and it's kind of concerning that two of his three years in st louis have been down years um so again i don't think it's like i think it's a level of like three concern at most but not great and if his back continues to be an issue throughout his career like yikes so yeah sorry i yeah i mean just don't hate me for saying Colorado. i love him um Arenado, one stat I dug out, he's played most of his career at Coors Field, obviously. So some of this is a little bit inflated, but this is his first full season where he's played more than 120 games where he didn't have 30 RB or 30 home runs and 100 RBIs. So um that's a bit concerning. 26 home runs, uh 93 RBIs. Um it is the fewest number of games he's played in a full season since yeah, in a full season ever, but um it's still worth noting that. Yeah. Just never happened before. There's a couple. I'm looking at some of his underlying numbers here too. Like his um his Woba wasn't terrible, but it wasn't well, okay. Actually his Woba was kind of low. Um, but his strikeout rate wasn't high. So it's not like he's just like can't hit a fastball anymore. It's 16.5%, which is fine. His walk rate's about where it was. He had terrible BABIP this year. It was 279, which everyone on the Cardinals with a higher WRC plus had higher BABIP. And a bunch of the guys below him had a higher BABIP too. So, like, that seems a little unlucky. Um, so, we'll keep an eye on it. But feels a little bit underrated. So, Or feels a little bit disappointing to me. So, not underrated. That's for sure. <laughs> okay. Drum roll, please. Andrew, who is the most to blame for the 2023 Cardinal season? I mean, mine, I agree with your guys as, as well, but mine is John Mosellock, um, because he did say at the start of the season that we have six starting pitchers, and I think <laughs> we have zero starting pitchers. Maybe one. We have Michaelis. We have one starting pitcher. And Thompson, you know, he's... Okay. Yeah, but he wasn't in that list of, like, I think That's he was off of Wayno, uh, Montgomery, Michaelis, um, Flaherty, Woodford, and Hudson, I think were the six. Yeah. Oh, and Mats was probably oh, and Mats. So, yeah. so not Woodford then, or Woodford yeah. and Mats, or I don't know, some combination of those guys. It doesn't yeah. matter. Um, Thompson, I don't think was in the starting picture until like well into the season when we sent him True. down starting. So, I mean, Wayno was not a starting pitcher this year, really. Um, 
Michaelis was, um, he, he counts. Montgomery and Flutter, you traded because you didn't have enough starting pitching. Mats has been hurt most of the year and ineffective aside from like three weeks where he was the best pitcher in the league. So I don't know. I understand that the, the DeWitt family didn't give him enough um, money to work with, money to spend, but they did say payroll would go up. So to not sign one of the starting pitchers that was available uh, at least and make some concerted effort to, to improve that before the season, I think was a big oversight on his part. Are you going to end up with, with someone who underperforms? Probably, but you might might also end up with Nathan Yavaldi, who's been one of the best pitchers in the league. So you never know. Yeah, and poor take at my part. I remember I said, don't sign Dansby Swanson as a bat, which I feel great about. I think he finished here pretty bad, and they don't need him. And then I said, don't sign Nathan Yavaldi. So that was a tough take. Um, <clears throat> but, ah, man, like... So this will sound, people think it sounds bad, but like going into the season, I got where they were coming from, where I was like, there's no way all five of them are that bad. Like I assumed they would need, like, I remember going into the season, like they're going to try and be good. Like they'll be in the playoff race, NL Central so bad, they'll probably be on top of it, but not by a lot. It's come the trade deadline, they'll be the team that's going after the best starting pitcher available and maybe a second guy too. I thought the rotation could at least get them to July and they'd be okay. And I think I don't hate them for feeling that way because again, like on paper, those guys should have done more than they did. Um, but at the same time, like I think enough people were saying it that they should have brought in at least one arm, um, especially with the injury concerns from pretty much all of those guys and then the shakiness of all of them too. But I, I've also heard um, Michael Gersh talk about how it's like a Jose Quintana. They Someone asked him, like, why do you always trade for that kind of guy at the deadline? He's like, because those guys don't want to sign with you when you're, they're not guaranteed a rotation spot. Yeah. So, like, those mid to lower tier guys are going to go to Texas where they're like, there's a rotation spot there. And they're not going to go to St. Louis, even if you're like, hey, you'll be a starter. But they're like, well, I see Steven Matz right there. Like, you could theoretically be chosen over me. So I think they they probably ran into some of that where there were some guys that are looking at that just decided to go sign with the Royals because there's a for sure spot or, you know, like those type of things. Anyways, but I think you're right. Like, Wednesday, that's probably the second biggest person to blame. Um, and But for me, it's the DeWitt family, um, the DeWitts. I think there's a... At some point, like the fact that they are, it depends who you ask, but they're clearly out of the top 10 in payroll. They're, um, I think they opened at about 170 million, which is about 30 million short of a top 10 payroll. Um, this year, they've got about 106 million in guaranteed contracts already. Um, if you put in arbitration, you likely are not having O'Neill back or some of those guys, you probably have about 70 million in between you're probably about 130 already committed 70 million between the hundreds 30 and 200 million mark this is the off season like the DeWitts have to put up or shut up here and i think if the cardinals are actually going to be a contender in 2024 which is why you kept paul goldschmidt which is why you brought back nolan arenado you're not trying to rebuild you're not trying to wait another year you have to spend and i will be really frustrated if they they kind of cheap out the starting pitching market and the, and they get like a couple guys that are fine. And then they trade for a guy and give up some of that position player depth. And it's like, if you would just spent the money, you could have an elite offense and a rebuild rotation, but now you've depleted the offense and your rotation's fine, but it's not good enough. Like 
I am scared that's going to happen, but I think the front office wants to make the right moves. I think they've realized their mistakes. I think they're owning it. I think they're, I think we're going to see some changes. I don't think it's going to be Gersh Flores, Mosellock. Obviously, Ollie's not going, but I think some coaches will change. I think some front office personnel will change. And I frankly, I think the DeWitts are embarrassed. I hope they are. I know John Mosellock is. I hope the DeWitts are embarrassed. I hope they want to change this. Um, and if they don't, like, obviously, like the Rays can function off a super small payroll. So, like, front offices can't just be like, we need more money. But when you're the Cardinals, you should be spending more money. When you have Nolan Arnando and Paul Goldschmidt, like, and you have, have all these young players who don't make any money right now, like, this is the time to spend. So we'll see. Sandy said DeWitt as well, DeWallet, in his opinion. Um, but he also said there's some blame potentially um, to cast on O'Neill and Carlson, which I think is fair. But yeah, I mean, Mosellock, I think, took the fans, uh, uh, the fans at the stadium today to heart, and he'll extend Lars new bar. As I think that's, that's yeah. Right. yeah, I think that was that was an amazing moment. If you guys missed it. <laughs> they're booing him and he goes i thought you were yelling for new or whatever uh i chuckled that was yeah that was good that was a good dad joke i mean so. if they want to run the team like a business there's one guy that will bring in so much money like more money than than they can probably imagine that's true that is one way uh speaking yeah making money like i sorry random rant here but like I get that pro sports are a business and so you're trying to make a profit and owners want to make money. I get it. But also no one forces you to own a sports team. So like if you're not going to like, like I get it. They're like, if people are asking them to go hundreds of millions of dollars in debt, like, okay, no one's going to do that. But like to like make a slight profit. I mean, okay. I know I'm talking about other people's money here, but like don't own a team if you don't want to commit to it, especially a team like the Cardinals. Like they're going to make you money. You've got the prestige. You've got your side businesses. You own Arby's. You own all the other stuff. You're fine. Like put money into the team or don't own the team. Like sell the team. So whatever. The DeWitts have had a lot of success owning it. So I can't like totally rack them. Like, I mean, the mid 2000s, like the Cardinals could have been a, like a low key dynasty. Um, the 2014, they won 2006, 2005, 2003, they could have done stuff. They won 2011, they could have won 2013, they could have won done more. So like, there's been a lot of just misses with them. Um, and they've had superstars, they've had Hall of Famers. So it's like, you can't complain that much as a Cardinal fan. But I think right now I will be joining a lot of people in extreme frustration if this team doesn't look vastly different because of money being spent this offseason. But we'll see. Maybe Otani's a Cardinal. Or maybe it's James Paxton and Jack Flaherty and I don't know. Uh, Jordan Lyles. <laughs> Jordan Lyles as the opening day starter. Yeah. It's like, do you see the Red Sox already announced that Chris Sale's probably their opening day starter? Yeah. I was like, wow. I like I mean, who who in the PR department thought that was a good idea, but I, I guess. Actually, never mind. He's hurt. Never mind. I was going to say, I guess they're not <laughs> Tony, but he's not going to be anyone's opening day starter, sadly. That's fair. That's fair. So we'll see. I mean, anyways, it's been, I don't know, like F, F grade season, zero enjoyment, frustration at all time high, but it's finally over. We've made it. The promised land is here. The off season optimism reigns supreme. Yeah. So 
we've we've made it through and it looks like the cardinals are pouring it on four to two right now so yeah we'll see any other last thoughts you have about any of the awards or stuff going on i look forward to this offseason hopefully we make some moves but um before then enjoy the playoffs enjoy baseball while, while you still have it because when it's gone then it's gone and you just i don't know it's tough agreed yeah. who are you rooting for because uh, playoff sets playoff I was, teams are set. I was rooting for the Mariners because I thought they were going to get Otani, and I was like, they're going to. Um, I should start early and whatever, but now I guess <laughs> I'm, on the, I'm on the Miami hype train because uh, they they eliminated Chicago, and that made me very happy. Yeah, I would love Miami to win for Skip. Like, man, what a. I don't. Again, I don't not like Ollie Marmol. I think he's fine, but when the Schilt job opened up i really wanted skip and so i feel i feel vindicated in how good he's been in miami um uh, i think i'm rooting orioles though um yeah i think they're just so fun and i probably say it this year and then like two years from now they'll be the team i hate because they're like winning every year but i'll go orioles right now and then <clears throat> miami's probably my number so miami uh baltimore world series would be the weirdest thing but it would be so fun I mean, you don't you don't have uh, New York. You don't have. Um, I, I guess you do have L.A. You don't have the L.A. that I actually wanted to win, but <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, this is like. I also think it's another underrated thing. It's like you look at the NL wild card race, and it was like, who can luck? Who can like lose their way out of the race? Like it wasn't really like like the Diamondbacks don't really deserve to be a playoff team. They're fine. Miami, like, again, I hope they go on a run, but, like, the fact that they made it's kind of weird. Um, I think, like, you talk about, I mean, you've got the Padres who are going to try and rebuild. I think the Mets are probably going to take 2024 as more of a rebuild, but, like, I think the path for the Cardinals to make the playoffs again isn't terrible, but they really do have the revamp pitching, so we'll see. But I'm sure we'll get a lot of feedback. There'll be a lot of things like press conferences and stuff, so we'll start to figure out where the direct going looking forward to the playoffs though we'll have more reseason recap stuff um all that kind of stuff so again lids affiliated link hop in there get some playoff gear for another team because it's not the cardinals get some cardinal gear whatever you want to do go to lids they've got good stuff um and i know sandy wish he could be here but he'll be back soon andrew it's always fun talking to you man this is a good episode and looking forward to this offseason so peace everyone